0: Hi, I'm Brian Boulder. Welcome to my podcast, Flipping the Lid. I'm a husband, father, entrepreneur, and, well, just a human being like you. I've faced personal tragedy, significant trauma. I've dealt with shame, anger, and self-doubt, all of which have created a ripple effect of damage in my world. I'm grateful that I've learned the importance of looking and going inside to create, repair, unpack, and reach levels of success that I never believed possible. Now as a coach, keynote speaker, and author, I'm fascinated by the stories that have shaped some of our world's most significant and successful individuals. So we're gonna flip the lid and take a look inside the stories that have shaped their lives and success. And we'll be featuring a number of individuals who have literally flipped the lid in their lives and businesses. Welcome to Flipping the Lid. Let's go jump in. What's going on? Welcome back again for another episode of Flipping the Lid. You know what we do here by now, and we just have incredible guests that continue to come and be willing to look inside the stories that have shaped their lives. The individual that we have here with us today is someone that I've gotten to know a little bit over the last couple of years, but we don't really have that close of a relationship. But what I've really enjoyed is watching him from a distance, looking at how he's continued to grow his level of influence and impact. He's been on the radio with a dedicated show for the 5am club for like 20 years. And he's been on a Facebook show that's been rising grind for a long time. And many people would know him. He runs with people like Grant Cardone, who's been his mentor, I think since age 19. And he is consistently putting himself around people who are elevating and empowering others. I met him through a mutual friend, David Meltzer. Who was just with us yesterday right glenn has a story that many people can relate to and he's got a humility and a perspective that continues to ground him regardless of the level of success he's created in his auto industries or other investments and so glenn i'm just really excited that you're here today brother and uh jumping in to take a look inside thanks man let's go like
1: i'm super stoked be here. this is awesome we got a cool setup uh, your house is beautiful that's for sure and this area is amazing so thank I'm you i'm glad to be here this is home like Home for me, sort of. I grew up Flagstaff, Arizona, twenty-three years.
0: Oh, dude, we're definitely talk about that. It's like, so, so, yeah, you, you, yeah, did yeah. you graduate from NAU? I did. Well, no, no, well, no. I went to college for like a year. Okay, and so dropped out of college. Beautiful. Graduated right? Sunela High School. Oh, Flagstaff. beautiful. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you were up in Flagstaff. You're yeah. a local, dude. I love yeah. that. Yeah, okay. yeah, It's This is my, this, is my, this is my jam. My did you ever spend much crime. time down in Phoenix? Uh,
1: some. You know, you can't live in Arizona not spend time. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're in Flightstaff, there's nothing to do up there. So I just lived in years Scottsdale <laughs> for a little bit. Lived in Scottsdale okay. for I don't know, six, eight months, you know. That kind of bouncing around. My sister lives around you know, here. Uh, my grandma and grandpa's in Chandler forever. My aunt and uncle's lived in Gilbert. So I love it. I had
0: tons of payments. I love it. Yeah. I mean I gave a little bit of a synopsis of who i see you as and what i've known of you and who you are i mean sure. you're you're a husband and father as well you've got right. seven kids and i love that part out oh, eight yeah i missed one i don't yes. know if i missed it that's okay okay no problem. it's hard to keep track it is i mean it's eight dude like i've got two i can barely keep checking them so eight babies man Eight babies. i skipped over that in my intro because i really wanted to just call attention to it before i asked you to tell us who you are in your words bro
1: oh my gosh uh yeah that's how i and anytime I use myself it's always husband to one, father to eight, right? Because uh, that's that's the for me. And also, uh, uh, I love Jesus. I love God, um, and I've got a couple, of, you know, businesses and some media stuff that that I do. Have some fun like there. that's the stuff that I do. It's not necessarily yeah. who I am, uh, but I am definitely a guy that believes in living life at eight hundred percent. And uh, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to do some pretty cool stuff.
0: What is living life at
1: 800%? So I feel like maybe at some point, I didn't live back then, so I can't say for sure. But I think maybe at some point in the early 1900s, to the 1950s, like going 100% all in totally made sense. Like you went to work, you did your job, you got your you stayed there for 40 years, you got your retirement, like, you know, you got the house, the way I think maybe it made sense back then. Uh, but now I see people give 100% and they come out the backside broke, busted, weirdy, sick. Uh, I don't think living life at 100% is enough anymore. I think you've really got to go, if you want to break out of middle class, if you want to break out of average, if you want to break out of normal, I feel like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give eight hundred percent.
0: and I think we're called to that. Let's to go deeper on that. I mean, what does eight hundred percent mean? What's the gap between a hundred and eight hundred? And what does that look like in today's current world? Yeah, I,
1: the easiest way to be to define it would be you can have it all in every area of life, right? I believe there's seven pillars of life: faith, fitness, finances, your friends, your family, your career, and ultimately how you feel about yourself. Yeah. You can rock it at a 10 in every single one of them, right? We've been told you got to sacrifice family for the career. I think that's BS. We've been told that uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too. What the hell's the point of having the cake? I can't eat it, right? So fitness, faith, all of those things. To me, living life at 800% is when you're jamming
0: on all seven of those pillars. Thank you for the clarification on that because I, I think I, I, get, I get some resistance to hustle culture. And this idea of just do more, do more, do more, do more, grind more, grind more, grind more, right? And all of what that actually means in life, because by the way, I played that game for a long time and it worked really well for me until I lost who I was as a result. And so, you know, my old equation used to be stress equals growth. Now it's stress plus rest equals growth. And it's about intentional integrated alignment in life so that I can allow it to ebb and flow and focus on everything I need to, want to, and desire to, because I allow and surrender life to flow for me. That doesn't mean I don't have intentional aligned action. It right. doesn't mean I don't work my ass off. But the variables look different. The equation looks different. And what you're really saying in 800% is 100% on the old definition and, and math and how we used to look at it is measured externally around, I give 100% effort in this one place to provide for myself, but it means inherent sacrifice. And 800% means I'm able to stack all the areas of my life in a place where I've got multiple 100% in every category. And they just accumulate to 800%. But the effort may be more, it may actually be less okay. in many cases to integrate them. So, so, help me understand where this concept came from for sure. you and, and at what point in your life did this hit you and did you start applying it? Yeah. So, I
1: worked at a dealership in Paris, Kentucky, a car dealership. I was the general manager there. It was a small dealership that had been around 50 plus years selling roughly 110 to 120 cars a month that's what they had done forever uh, we went in there me and the new owner of the dealership guy named josh cummins incredible dude uh, we grew that store 800 percent in just under six years to become the second largest used car franchise car dealership in the united states of america this was in a town with a population of 9600 people So it was fascinating and the When I left there, I really started to look at what did we really do? Mm. You know, like, how did we grow that much that fast when it was stagnant for 50 something years and now just like, what did we really do? And what I found was we cultivated and grew our people, not just in the dealership, but outside of the dealership. We were teaching young men to be better husbands. Better fathers. We were teaching financial literacy. We were teaching self development, right? We were teaching all of these things, hitting on those seven areas, we were teaching faith. We were teaching fitness. I would work two days. Uh, I would go to the uh, play basketball with these guys yeah. two days a week, right? So we were teaching all of these areas. And ultimately, as they became better humans, the dealership blew up. I mean, it just absolutely exploded all the way along the way. So I realized later, like, oh, this isn't just we grew 800%. This is a lifestyle. Like, this is a for real deal lifestyle. And so since then, we've just been, you know, I've personally been trying to really extract how can we teach this? How can we elevate this? How do we promote this 800% lifestyle? You talked about the grind, 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 grind thing. Bro, been there, done that. You know, it doesn't end up well, is what I've noticed. When we take our time and invest, right? This is the biggest thing I learned in my uh, journey, especially through automotive. Instead of spending time, we need to invest. Mm -hmm. Big difference, right? Now, talk to most people and you'll say, hey, um, they'll say, hey, I invested in the stock market. I invested in this business. I invest in my health, right? They'll They'll say that. And then you'll talk to them about their family and they'll say, I spend time with my kids. Spend time with my wife. I spent time on vacation. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. Spend is a negative, right? If I spend five bucks. I got five bucks less. Invest. We always expect an ROI. We expect a return. So I don't grind, 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 grind anymore. I invest every minute with an expectation of a return on that investment. Well, like my eight kids, you know, Willow, my daughter Willow. If I invest. Five minutes of fun like if she, if she can have my attention for five minutes dude I get a massive return on investment she's like cool dad sees me he hears me he thinks i'm significant and she's gone she didn't want to spend more than five minutes with me anyway because she's all over my son needs a different level of investment i gotta go throw balls with them yeah. uh i coach his basketball team we you know we do stuff together because i notice if i don't spend if I don't invest a lot of time with nice him, catch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was going to call you out on
1: that. If up. I don't <laughs> invest a lot of time with him, then ultimately uh, I, I don't get the return. So I look at everything in my life now. I'm like, okay, I can invest a few hours in the business over here as long as I'm getting a return. You know, I only have to be live in front of people three hours, a week, three hours a week now, and I've got a business that does, you know, multiple millions, and millions of dollars of revenue. Uh, off three hours a week invested intentional time
0: yeah and i am I'm, I'm happy that you were able to extrapolate all that the way that you did because again i think people hear 800 they're like wait a minute i'm already giving as much as i can how the hell am i supposed to give more sure but really i think in a lot of ways you're saying give less just have it be very targeted and intentional and then stack on top of it so that you're not sacrificing any area of your life you know you really talked about some really incredible things in that last answer and i I think that the highlight and focus on people is something that's like obvious yet so many people don't pay attention to it and i like the way you separate spend and invest you know i've said this for a long time experts in habit formation actually even call it an upfront energy tax Mm. right which implies that to become something different to do something new that it's going to cost you uh, tax has an even greater implication on it than spend does. Sure. But that's what the experts in habit formation say. And I often have flipped that through the lines of saying, no, 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 it's not a cost. It's not an expense. It's the greatest investment you can ever make is to invest in you and it will pay the greatest dividends in every area of your life. Sure. Clearly, that's something that you understand that you invest in in yourself. But that was a model that you started to create early in the success and growth of this Correct. Now, the thing I want to call attention to, just because... Percentages can sound really massive depending on what the baseline starts at, right? Sure. So when we talk about percentages of growth, I love that. Give me a little bit of perspective from a revenue perspective. Where did it start when you came in and what did that 800% growth like actually turn into?
1: Yeah, so the dealership was selling 110 cars a month. We grew to where we were averaging 850 cars a month. Got out uh, with our best month being a 1,047 cars. 27 business days closed on sundays (laughs) in march of 2018 so revenue wise on that you know the 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 dealership went from being a million dollar a year net profit company to 26 million dollar a year net profit company In a period of six years. Beautiful. Well,
0: Well, and what I really appreciate about that is that your growth was done in number of cars sold, but the revenue was actually a greater percentage gain. Correct. And so I wanted to extrapolate that because I think it's really important for people to understand too that sometimes we're measuring an outcome because that's where the focus is. But the byproduct and ripple effect of that outcome, if we understand math, we understand leverage, can be exponential to whatever our input process and outcome can be. And your ability to understand the investment in people Driving the largest area for growth, starting with making them better human beings, wasn't happening when you were doing this. And frankly, it's not happening a lot even in today's world. And so give some perspective as to where that insight and perspective came from, because you were pretty young when you started that, right? Well, I mean, I was 30. Uh, I guess that's... 30 is still young. young. Ish. Yeah. (laughs) Ish. I got you. I mean, you're not 20.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have what I call two seasons in the auto industry. So I had a season where I spent eight years in a dealership. I went from salesperson to general sales manager. Yeah. The dealership never grew. Mm-hmm. That dealership fit the stereotype that you would see on a TV or a movie. Like, that's how we operated, working 70 hour week. Bell to bell, bell sex, debauchery, all the things. Lie, cheat, steal, bang people over the head, put people in the trunk of cars, like crazy stuff, man. Everything you would see. That was my experience in automotive for eight years. I also lost custody of my oldest daughter. I lost my relationship. Uh, I had warrants out for my arrest, was unhealthy as could possibly be. My life outside of that dealership was a freaking train wreck, bro was a train wreck. So I got out of automotive for a little bit, went through a transitional season, made my way to uh, Paris, Kentucky, met my wife. She got pregnant and this was round two. So now it was like, all right, I, I, I'm not going to screw up again like I did last time. This look what that got me, you know, loss of custody of my child, homeless, jail, yeah. like all those things. I'm like, but the only thing I know how to do is sell cars. Like That's how I know to to provide for my, you know, for this kid. And so I sat down and I said, what is everything I hate about the car business? Wrote all that down. I said, what is everything a customer hates about the car business? Wrote all that down. And then I said, okay, if we just do the opposite of everything on this list, I can go back into the car business. Mm -hmm. I said, instead of the business making an impact on me, I'm gonna make an impact on the business. And so I went in as a salesperson, went through all the promotions up to general manager, just like I did at the other store. But this time the store grew with me and grew 800% because we were literally just doing everything opposite on that paper. And on that paper, it was like, treat people like shit, you know, yell at people in morning meetings, kick their teeth in, always negative. That's what was on the paper. So we're like, let's be positive. Let's encourage people. Let's grow people. Let's develop people. Let's educate people. Yeah. And uh, the results were dramatic. Thinking back to that first eight years. Yeah.
0: Losing the custody of your son. Daughter. Daughter. I'm sorry. That's okay. That Again, I'm seven or eight. I'm missing bro, one, one, one way or another. Dude, I'm going to have to call my wife halfway through. Know. You're going to be like, i like, down people.
1: with this dude. No, she's going like, to have to remind like, me their names or something. Okay. It's a lot, You've bro. I it. get yeah. it. All right,
0: um, um, Homeless. Yeah. Broke. Yeah. times. <laughs> Give me an a okay. understanding of the trajectory of that time. What's going on there? So, right before I left, because
1: I'm on an 11 day away from home, which yeah. I'm not normally that long, I ordered this. Um, it's called a love bracelet. So, I, you just said, I just said my wife, right? And this just started flashing. So, my wife is in Kentucky and she just pushed this to let me know that she misses me. So it vibrates on my arm so I can push it like this, which will now send her a little thing letting her know I'm thinking about her right now in the moment. Isn't that cool? Just got these, bro. Like,
0: it's freaking awesome. Bro, I like legit. Think yeah. I'm going to be getting those for my family. It's amazing. So when I'm traveling, we always like what, what we actually say do. to our kids is that we're all connected by an invisible string. So we're right. together. Like, we're still connected. And that's literally an ability to. Stay connected. And yeah. I love that it's even a string that attaches it. So, totally. bro, that's really cool. You'll have to send me that information afterwards. I sure will. So, sorry for um, the distraction. No, no. I, by the way, family first always in my world. And your wife just gave you a little note to say she loves you. Yes. Please pause <laughs> and receive that. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that matters in life, as far as I'm concerned, is yes, that sir. right there. Yes, sir. Um, bro,
1: huge. Help me understand the trajectory of those eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: When was it fun? When was it exciting? When did it start to turn?
1: Um, it was all fun. it was all exciting, and it was all turning in the very beginning okay <laughs> like literally. when did you become aware of um, so I got in the car business at twenty years old, okay, and I was good at it. i've got a mouthpiece so now I was making money i had you know i had the 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 attractive girlfriend mm-hmm. I had money, and I had a kid on life like right away for some reason in my life like I'm like, hi, my name's Glenn. And then they get pregnant. It's weird. I just shake their hand. They're pregnant. It's not. So, dude,
0: I just had Bradley here on Sunday. Oh, and, yeah? And his first two kids were literally one time of having sex with someone. Yeah, seriously. It, and, it, I, it, and, again, I don't want to bring anybody else into the mix, but it was like, literally, you just said, yeah, no, I shake hands and they're pregnant. Yes. Like, crazy. <laughs> he had that same experience.
1: Yes. Yeah, I'll talk to him about that in Nashville. <laughs> He's going to be at my event in Nashville. Great. Out here in a couple of weeks. So her and I, you know, I. Like, when you're 20 and you kind of have all that, you know, money, good-looking girl, da, da 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 da. Like my ego was freaking through the roof, it was through the roof. And uh kept getting promoted in the dealership, was always top salesperson, you know, all of those things. And so, when my girlfriend and I split up, that's when it really, like, now all all bets were off. You know, I had the money, I had the looks, I had the job, I had. And I had freedom to go mm-hmm. do whatever the heck I wanted. And back then, I was very Darwinistic in my uh, belief systems, right? I didn't believe in God at all. Um, and I firmly believed, like if I got over on you, like that was your fault, because you were the weaker mm-hmm. person in the, in the in the chain. I was just stronger than you. So there was no real morals, there was no values, there was none none of that. It was me versus you. Yeah. And I won often in in this game of me versus you. Uh, But ultimately, that only lasts so long. It starts to stack up, right? Because now I'm building enemies everywhere I go, basically. Uh, And so go four or five years into this me versus you. I'm the badass. Everybody else sucks type thing. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm sitting at home. My uh, ex girlfriend's supposed to bring my daughter back to me. She had her for the weekend. She's supposed to bring her back, and instead, a process server shows up at the door, and uh, he's like, "Hey, she's 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 taking full custody. You got to go to court." I'm like, "All right." So I look at that whole situation. I don't have any money. I blew all my money on drugs, girls, partying. Like I was making tons of money. I spent it all, spending every freaking bit of it, man. You hadn't
0: learned the art of investing yet. Not at all. (laughs) Like zero.
1: Like there was no tomorrow in my world. Like everything was now. It looked good. It felt good. The answer was yes. Yeah. Period. Um, And so, yeah. So, so process server hit me. Then 30 days later, I lost custody of my daughter because I didn't have $19,000 to pay this lawyer to fight it. And I blamed everyone and everything for the situation. Packed up my Ford Mustang that I had at the time, a white Ford Mustang. Whatever fit in the Mustang got to go with me, and uh, I freaking bolted. And left, left, left the city. Was gonna go be a professional poker player in Vegas. That's how smart I was. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go play professional poker in Vegas. That's the solution. You know, well, I, it was good, and it felt good. It looked good, <laughs> and it felt good for about two weeks. <laughs> So Yeah, so that's kind of how that transition went. It was, I, it was, I was an egomaniac that didn't believe in anything spiritual, that built a lot of enemies. And when I lost custody of my daughter, I blamed everyone else. And I ran like a little scared. And what were you feeling in that time? Uh, hate. Hordes? Uh, everyone. Okay. Yeah. It was everyone else's fault. It wasn't my fault, dude. I was like the dopest dude you could ever meet in your yeah. life. Hate the only thing you felt? I think so, at the time. What you were aware of? Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, just
0: anger, Yeah, you know? Hate, anger. Because clearly anger is... Everybody else. Anger is armor, right? Sure. Anger is clearly armor. Sure. It's, it's there for the sole purpose to defend and protect something that you don't want others to either see or you don't want to admit to yourself. And it's sure. designed to literally propel people away from you with this energetic force field, right? Yeah. That's what anger does. It's bigger reactions, bigger energy pushes people away. You were angry,
1: but clearly anger was protecting something. Yeah, what was it protecting? Mm, I mean, I, I can speak from me now. That's fair.
0: Um, me then would not understand. You wouldn't have been conscious to it then. Yeah. You now understand. So yeah. take us back. What what were you protecting? Yeah. You know. So me
1: now, I I was clearly protecting a lack of true identity Mm. i had zero spiritual congruency there was no spiritual understanding Uh, so my actions were not congruent with the magnificence that i was meant to be and looking back yeah that guy ran because he knew well he didn't know but he wasn't living to his fullest potential. He was living a very surface, dry, empty existence that just looked good on paper, you know? When did you realize that? Um, really, my, most of my awareness has come probably in the last. I met my wife. Yeah. My wife has helped me see, like, oh, crap, this Glenn guy. He's actually met uh, for some pretty cool stuff.
0: Tell she, me about I your wife, everything it, in me. Tell me about your wife. She sounds like a really special woman. And clearly, I mean, for you to give her the credit that you just did says a lot about you, but it says even more about her. Help me understand what your wife means to you and maybe talk about the influence and impact she's had in your life. She's everything. Bro.
1: She, uh, she saw things in me I never knew existed, like right from the get go. She fought for me tooth and nail, bro. Like, I was such an asshole back in that day. When her and I first got together, uh, I shook her hand and she got pregnant. And um, I would started dating another girl while she was pregnant. I'm dating. I was dating this other girl, and uh, and she just fought what me, man. She'd call and call and call. I wouldn't answer her calls. I wouldn't answer her texts. Like nothing, bro. And she just kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting. And then at some point, she broke through. And uh, and she was living in low income housing. She was taking a bus to. uh She was working two jobs. She was working as a server in two different restaurants. She would take a bus while carrying your kid. Yeah, like yeah. she'd take a bus at like eight in the morning, go do a eight hour shift, and then take another bus to go to another place for another eight hour shift, and take a bus back to her low income house in the middle of the freaking ghetto. While she was, I mean, she was doing this seven months pregnant, dude. Like she was just a a, a beast, man. And, uh, you know, when we had the baby, she asked if we could move close to her parents so we could get some out there. And that's when I started working at the, the dealership to so yeah. a little small town. Uh, but she's just, she never complains, doesn't. There's zero envy. Like, God gave me this person. My wife homeschools all my kids. She would rather be home than anywhere on the planet. Like, seriously, I got asked her. I'm like, we have a teleportation machine. We have all the money in the world. We can go anywhere. Where do you want to go? She laid there for like five minutes and she was like, just want to be home with my kids. Like, that's it, which works great because I'm a nomadic traveling son of a gun and I like to do all the things and there's never any, she's never like, I'm home with the kids wiping diapers and you're out in Vegas and you're doing podcasts and that doesn't happen in our relationship. And so she's my rock. Uh, she's the person that believes in me more than anyone else on the planet. She supports me in literally every decision that I make. And uh, she's also been giving me the gift of seven more incredible babies. That There's a lot of redemption from losing custody of my first daughter and making those mistakes. That's why I'm, like, I'm a husband and I'm a father. Being a father matters. A lot to me and uh, she's been she's given me that opportunity to not just be a dad to one or two or three or four or six or seven but
0: eight eight hundred percent buddy so what i what <laughs> i love it i love it what i you know what i really picked up on there too and i just want to say it in slightly different words is your wife was one of the first people to see and understand you like really see you Right, as I see you wiping the tears away that welled up while you were talking about her, like that, that that hit hard. Yeah. But what I also hear is like when she continued to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight, you still had that armor really high up, yes. right? You were still really guarded and protective. And what's very obvious to me is that she was trying to help you see yourself the way she saw you. And by continuing to fight for you, one. I guarantee there was narratives going through your mind at the time, even if it wasn't conscious, that you weren't worthy of receiving the love that she was giving you and all that chase. But you finally surrendered to it and started to learn and receive through it. How long did that transition take for you before you finally were like, oh, okay, she's she's the one. She's the real deal. She's the one that sees me. Because when someone sees you like that, you feel safe you feel protected and you feel connected at the deepest level yeah and i have a feeling you didn't experience that in that way many other times in your life before that.
1: no never ne- never had um, you know i used to say he to the key to a healthy happy relationship to find someone who loves you more than you love them mm. and i know that sounds terrible uh but that really is how it was like she loved me more than i loved her. And that flipped. That flipped when we had um, Savannah, my 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 oldest in the house, Got it. my thirteen year old. Uh, you know, when we had Savannah, and I watched her give us that gift, give me that. I screwed that up so bad, the parenting thing. And it'd been a decade in between. So my oldest is twenty three, my now oldest now is thirteen. Okay. So it was ten years yeah. of of well, I shouldn't say that. Five years with my daughter, then I lost custody, and I spent five years beating myself up yeah. for for those mistakes. You know what I'm saying? And so when Savannah came, it was like, you know, this woman just gave me back something that I was really missing. Um, and so now we tease all the time, that I love her more. She loves me. She'll tell you that. She'll say, "Yeah, he loves me more. I love him." <laughs>
0: I think it's great though but here's the thing like i think a really healthy relationship is there's times when each of you will love each other more than the sure. other person sure right there's times when we waver i mean how long have you guys been married now uh we have been married just over a decade okay yeah long enough to know like 30. i mean you've been together 13 14 years is what it sounds yeah. like okay. we together yeah 15 15 years and i guess we're 13 yeah that's incredible it is incredible. Yeah. It goes so fast. We're married for 13 as well. We've been together for 16. And, yeah, and, and, I didn't realize. Like you know, it's, it's, it's crazy when you really look at like what happens over the course of a decade or more. Sure. Right? The ebbs and flows, the times when both of us wanted to leave. And, and ultimately, the damage, at least in our relationship, that I created only supported how much stronger she was and how much she loved me because yeah. she stayed despite the damage. Totally. It's hard to shut off patterns in our lives. And you went through this introspective period over a period of a couple of years after the first stint in car dealership now you're with her how long did it take for some of the damaging patterns to be fully eradicated and what element of that did she experience as your now new wife and mother of your seven other children uh, we used to
1: describe our relationship in the beginning like Eminem, uh, you know, tornado on a volcano, like he, he, in that uh, Eminem song. That's how we were in the beginning. Yeah. So we were both very, know, uh, well, my wife was a bartender at a bar when I met her. There was still lots of drinking and partying. And it was just very tumultuous. Uh, my wife got in a car accident, uh, drinking and driving. She got in a car accident and broke her back. Mm. Uh Broke like seven different vertebrae in her back. This is before we had uh, Savannah, so add that to her yeah, going on uh, the bus. She had this back brace while pregnant, carrying this kid, crazy. Um, but it was, it was a good. So she sobered as soon as she got pregnant. She stopped drinking all this stuff. I did not. Okay, uh, it took a few more years of you know me still playing online poker drinking and uh doing all of those things so i would say once once savannah hit actually once i started taking my job like more seriously because first i went in as a sales guy then i got promoted to sales manager then it was gsm now like i'm the gm i'm totally practical i really have an opportunity to do something with my life in this industry Uh, i think that's when we that's when i put down all the other you know patterns and habits and so on and forth so forth so, okay wait a minute you got two kids you're in a great position here let's go let's see, let's see how far we can go i
0: love that i love that i mean you have to make a conscious shift at some point if you want to continue to elevate to the places that you want to go so totally. clearly you've done that at a really high level in multiple different ways so i know that for my wife and i um sometimes distance and travel can cause some challenges mm-hmm. right? With where and how we're investing time with each other and with our kids and the transitions in and out of the house, right? Like my wife, um, when she's with the kids, right, we'll run things a certain way and I will come and integrate. And it's like, I mess up the whole flow and the whole system. She's homeschooling seven kids, you're traveling, you're very engaged and invested when you're there. Sure. How does that transitionary period look for you? And how do you balance that and integrate that with your life, with your business and the other elements of what you're focused on? In your own self-improvement it's 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 a lot right so when sometimes people hear 800 again i wanted them to understand the less is more but still where does that breaking point hit and how have you successfully integrated
1: interestingly enough and i know this is going to sound terrible people are going to be like no way but it's it's not challenging at all great like at all uh uh-huh. I believe that somehow, miraculously, through time, through some trials, we have found flow. Beautiful. And it is, it's is—it's—it's just flow, man. Good. I go where I go. Uh, there's never, she never questions. And we never, there's no discussion there. Uh, when I'm home, we're in flow. We're, we're, we're uh, playing dance music and, you know, so you know, like I haven't fought or argued with my wife in I don't know how long. We have a, a very clear understanding that we disagree on a lot of things, like a lot of things. Like Grant Cardone is like my like favorite human on the planet. Yeah. She hates it, right? Like we disagree on a lot of things, but we understand that Glenn has final say when it comes to business. Leslie has final say when it comes to the house. Yeah.
0: So we don't have to
1: agree. She's like, I think we should get a couch. I'm like, I think that couch is great. She's like, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. We're, getting, we're
0: going this, we're getting this couch. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. And we just have an understanding. And when, you know, we, uh, I guess we, we just fought so much maybe in the early days that, that, that it's just, it's just, it's awesome, right? Like, uh, I never thought that life could be, that could have better better word. Easy. But it is when you're intentional, you know what you're doing, you know where the moves are coming from. Like this business, right? I started this business uh four years ago, I guess. And they say entrepreneurship, it's these ups and downs and roller it's not ups and downs and roller coasters for me. It's it's been up, and been up, and been up. Now there's challenges in the business as I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do that, so I have to learn that. Or I need to hire this person or the accounting firm that we hired screwed up the taxes. It's like, don't be wrong, there's there's stuff. You know what I mean? There's stuff. Um, but it's just this upward trajectory that sometimes I look at it and I'm like, what the hell? I was told yeah. this was supposed to be, you know, rocky and yeah. that everybody has to fight and there's argues and that there's gonna be all these moments, and maybe they're coming somewhere down the road. Maybe they are. But that literally is not it's not my wife and I's existence since we stepped into this world that we're in now with a full respect and understanding and trust for one another. Uh it's 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 amazing.
0: But that's the key. There was resistance. Sure. There was refining. Sure. And you guys had to move into a place with full trust and understanding because until you can surrender that last bit of armor in the most intimate relationship you have, the flow can't exist. Well and so what I deeply appreciate about everything you said there is like, challenges don't have to exist in our lives, other than how we choose to react or respond to the external stimulus that happens in our lives, right? right? And so it takes a lot of awareness and work, but also perspective on failures, and places we've been hurt and burned in the past, so that we start to actually learn a little bit. Right. I mean, that's what I, that's what we believe and teach the most is that people have to identify and take out the trash from their past so that they can move in their life. Right. Because inevitably, every single time the singular thing keeping stuck is what's in here. You went to a place where you lost some of the most meaningful things to you. Yeah. And you had to have honest conversations with yourself. Right. And be able to be reflective and actually flip open that lid and look inside to see what's risen to the top. Sure. I was operating with anger and hate. I was pushing everybody away. I was operating as a victim, but I also know that my path to success in growing only me didn't produce outcomes for we and those around us. And so you clearly shifted into a really significant focus around helping people. I know you do a lot of speaking. Sure. You do a ton of podcasts and you've had a lot of shows that you've kind of run for a long time. And so, you know, you talk about like, I've always had this mouthpiece, right? Oh, Yeah. You can talk and you can flow and you can engage in most situations. When did you get the bug to start to interview and to create content that others could learn from. Uh, Colin Kaepernick took a knee at the, uh, in a football game and the world ran
1: bonkers. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy, bro. And so I'm flipping through social media. I'm at the, I'm at the dealership. Life's good. You know, um, life's good. Uh, great. Life's good. Uh, but I'm at, I'm at the dealership flip through social media Colin Kaepernick takes the knee the world goes freaking ape shit and uh, I'm sitting there dude and it is bothering the heck out of me like everybody fighting all the division all the whatever it's really driving me nuts and at some point I had read somewhere I don't know or maybe uh, God just told me I don't know but at some point I remember thinking if it bothers you so much, that means you're supposed to do something about it. So I'm like, well, what the heck can I do about the world being so nasty and people being so nasty to to each other? Like what can, what can I really do about that? little oh Yeah. Right. And through that thought process, I thought, well, you know what? I can't do anything about that. I really can't, but I can create a little tiny safe space over here where that doesn't exist and maybe that's a safe space for me i don't know maybe it's a safe space for other people i don't know but i have to itch this itch because it's driving me nuts right and so i just decided i'm like you know what i'm gonna go live at five thirty in the morning eastern time and i chose five thirty because it had to be a time that that i knew i wasn't gonna have a wife, a kid, or an employee needing anything. Mm-hmm. That's why I chose 5.30. No other reason, right? Not like, oh, it's cool to be at 5.30 Club. It's like, no, it's the only time I could guarantee That's it. That's why it. I, I started getting up at while. 4.30 over the years. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: like the only time but for me to do
1: stuff the that I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, 5.30 a.m., I'm going to go live, and I'm going to just create a space that is motivation, education, and inspiration. Zero politics. Zero news. Zero division. I don't care whether you believe in God or don't believe in God. I don't care whether you're white, brown, green, purple, old, uh, young, ugly, fat, hot, skinny. Don't care. In this space, there will be none of that nonsense. And that's my little bubble that I created. And, uh, and so I went live man. January 11th, 2018 was the first time I went live. I remember waking up at about 5.27 a.m., going live at 5.30. The lights were so bright. My, I was like, oh, what am I doing? There was about three people on the live or something, and and I think I went for seven minutes just talking about nonsense. And uh, fast forward now, we've done 1,143 episodes as of this morning. Uh, I've traveled around the world, spoke on stages everywhere, interviewed. Amazing uh, superhumans. Uh, it's completely transformed everything in, a, in, a, in our lives. And the rest of my life is now kind of like that bubble. Like we just don't do the stuff anymore mm-hmm. that we used to do. We don't get engaged in that stuff. We don't get involved in that stuff. And uh, in a lot of ways, it's made our world a better place. When you talk about really uncovering your demons and all of that stuff, it's been my own personal little journaling, my own personal diary, you know, I've shared everything. I've I've wept on lives. I've prayed on lives. I've shared every homeless story that you know that I can remember on lives. and I've shared about my parents and my feelings and my relationships and like it's it's helped me refine me in such a powerful way. I tried to go away from it at one point. When we did 1,000 episodes, I was like, okay, we're done. Because in my head, I was like, we stop at 1,000 or we go to 2,500. Mm-hmm. Because to just do another 1,000, we're to that, right? I and
0: mean, that's not living 800%. In- exactly.
1: <laughs> so then I was like, do I want to go another six years? Because doing- mm-hmm. at 5.30 in the morning, it's 5.30 in the morning, Eastern time. Doesn't matter where I am. It's 5.30 in the morning, Eastern time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, like, when I'm on this side of the country, that's 3.30 in the morning. When I'm in California, it's 2.30 in the morning. So, like, do I want to do that for another six years? So, I didn't do it for five months, I think. Mean. And, bro, it was like, no, we this, uh, we, we need the show. Like, yeah. my family needs the show. My wife needs the show. I need the show. We don't know why we need the show, but we know we need
0: the show. So and and, and it. is it true that you've never had a sip of caffeine? Or that you don't drink caffeine? I don't drink any caffeine. I've had caffeine. Okay, but you don't Um, drink caffeine. So 5.30, man, like,
1: how do you get yourself up and going? Well, I get up at 3.20 because I have to be the most energetic person in the room at 5.30. So people say, Glenn, how do you have so much energy at 5.30? I'm like, dude, I've already been up two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, But I start every day the same way. No phone first thing in the morning. Headphones on. Music without words or lyrics so that I can spend time with myself prayer, thoughtful, those types of things. I write down 10 things I'm grateful for. I write down daily goals, monthly goals, and annual goals. I go through and look at all my financial accounts to make sure that uh, uh, they're still moving in the right direction uh, every day. And then I read uh, a devotional. And then I write the words, good morning. I write my show. I jump in my truck. If I'm home, I drive to the studio. I fully produce the show. We're gonna go
0: loud we're at 30 a.m. I uh, I really appreciate the nature of your show to be so objective, non-judgmental, and really inclusive. I thank you. I think one of my pet peeves, honestly, that exists in the space that you and I both run in is that there is a lot of divisive, intentional, divisive messaging, sure, content, things that that drive people in a certain place for a particular reason. But I also think that. Often when we're divisive, it puts us into camps that we also then have to carry armor because we're protecting against the other. Right. Right. It's not the inclusivity. It's not like understanding the unique, but universal human experience that we all exist in. Sure. And what I also really want to acknowledge, and I love that you've taken it to all of the deep, dark places through your show. You know, I say often that I think that vulnerability and authenticity are the glue that binds human connection, but true strength actually hides behind them. On our mission to alleviate suffering, right, literally the Latin root to the word suffer is to carry. So it's the things that people are carrying from their past that they've buried, that they've shoved down, that they've not paid attention to. But in my belief, suffering exists in four places, things that are left unsaid, things we lack permission to feel or say, things we lack the words to articulate or understand or the things that are left undone. And by you being so willing to share your own story, not only are you actually giving yourself the healing modality of putting it into the universe to diffuse the energy that's connected to it internally, but you are actually giving people permission to feel and say things because of the perspective and experience you've been through. And you're often articulating things that they might not have had the words to articulate or understand. And so what I'd like to know is... Through the course of these 1,000 plus episodes, I forgot the number that you said already, but yeah. 1, 1,300, 11, 1,143, right? Yeah. Um, as of this morning, what has been the greatest impact that you've seen in your life as a result of you going into this venture?
1: Yeah, so there's this lady um, that I was talking to one time. I was trying to get her to go live. And she said, said, Glenn, when I go live, it reminds me of when I put on my makeup. I said, look at this position. This is the position of a live. She said, this is the same position I hold my compact. When I've got to put on my makeup, I hold my compact up just like this at right the right angle. And she goes, the reason I don't want to go live is it makes me see myself. When I started going live in the beginning, my words and actions were not alive. It's so beautiful. The advice that I gave people was not advice I was taking myself, in some cases. Some areas yes, some areas no. Every time I went live, I had to look at the words coming out of my mouth. In time, I had no choice but to, for me, I felt like I had no choice but to align those things. Going live every single day, it's created. Discipline in me, and helped me really unlock what I believe is you know, a magnificence that God has given us. Uh, not in an ego, ego maniac way, but it's like it's cool to be able to look in the mirror and and see yourself and know that you're walking in that. You know, uh, so that's the biggest thing that it's done for me is it helped me align words and actions. Be best me I can be.
0: I, you know, I often say that's one of the things I love: coaching, speaking, podcast content is. It's impossible to not have a mirror, right? Constantly reflected, because every word that comes out of my mouth to anyone else about anything immediately is testing congruency and alignment within myself. That's right. And I genuinely believe that the greatest resistance that exists for anybody in any situation, yes, it comes from the trash from the past, but it typically is because of a misalignment in either an intellectual and emotional narrative or a lack of congruency in something in the life. Right. And one of those two things, both of which can be solved internally, can remove the resistance to help people to move. And so I think it's really beautiful the way you talk about that. I'm curious. It's been a great reflection. It's been a great opportunity for you to see you. Are there any parts of you that you're still afraid to look at
1: no i don't i don't think there's anything that i'm afraid to look at i've i've found the value in uncovering and unearthing you know all of the things i would say it's the only fear i have now is i still have a, a i still have a fear of not quite living up to what was possible right like ed malet kind of talks about mm-hmm. this all the time like when you meet you know when you when you go to heaven and you're standing there and you meet the person you were supposed to be the goal is to be able to recognize them so i still have that in me a little bit where it's like okay you're doing great there's more there let's not leave any on the table
0: I don't want to leave anything on the table. So, what resistance still exists in your world, and, and when you don't want to leave anything on the table, what does that mean for you? I mean, if you know there's more, yeah. What wh- where's what's being driven behind that? What does that look like for you? I don't know
1: it. It's uh, it's interesting. My dad. So my dad, when my dad passed away at his funeral, there was like 500 people showed up. How long ago was this? uh 15 years ago ish okay. 500 people at his funeral yeah okay. it was like 500 people at his funeral and um they all my dad had this infectious smile right and and everyone loved my dad but no one knew behind the scenes of my dad and uh, my dad was in the early years an evil man now as he got older it got better. Uh, but I hated him. Early years, hated him. He was brutal to me and my sister and to my mother in a lot of ways. Um, and 500 people showed up, right at his funeral, not knowing some of these behind the scenes type things. And so when I think about my funeral, I think, a I want at least 501 people to show up because I'm competitive but I want my hope is that my kids are standing in a line and these people go by and they say man you're dead you really made an impact like by being authentic and real and raw he showed me that I could be too you know like I want I just envision my kids standing there and these people going by and each one of them telling my kids The impact that me, the way that I lived my life in congruency made an impact in theirs. And so I guess that drives me a little bit to be like, you know, some people are gonna be busy that day. So we gotta we gotta impact a lot of people to make sure that that happens. And I got a lot of kids. But once we start multiplying the numbers, you know, I'm like, dang. So I just have this drive to reach all of them, everybody. Um, to at least give them an opportunity to know that it's okay to be through and to be you. Know, you Can know, I reflect it. something back to you, my friend? Sure. What's
0: really interesting to hear you unpack that component of it, and I'm sure you're aware of some of this already, but the interesting thing is, is like your dad did not live in congruence and he was not authentic externally. Yeah. Now, there wasn't a medium or a venue in that time of life for that to happen because again the internet and all social media wasn't there and so people could hide sure. so in some ways right you could call it he, he pulled the, the veil over everyone's eyes but in other ways it might not have even been inherently manipulative it could have been truly caused by the damage that he experienced in his upbringing and where he came from which i think you already understand but what i find really fascinating is like so many Who have reached levels of high performance? I think in your early years you were seeking love and connection through validation and performance because of what you lacked in the connection with him. True. And what's fascinating is, is in your investment with your family and your kids, which is the only thing that's like very, very clear and centered and totally in alignment and congruent and everything that you're doing right now, you seem to care more about other people's opinion and impact. Than the impact on your kids directly. And I don't know that that's true. And I'm not trying to highlight that there's something there, but it's interesting because it's almost as if you're still trying to get the validation of you are more congruent, authentic, and real than your dad ever was. And like that's the piece that you're still battling.
1: Well, here's the thing. So, as we talk about fear, I don't have a fear of my kids knowing they are loved because you do that every day i do it every day i don't have a fear of the impact that i make on them yeah i know that i I I know that that. um but yeah that's why
0: i'm calling that attention to it
1: yeah there is a fear outside of that that there will be others that i don't reach and
0: but is that your job yeah
1: i think it is i don't know why
0: yeah Um, I I think it's something that you're choosing to make a responsibility for. Maybe. And I understand that because, you know, I'm on a mission to impact over a billion lives. Like, I'm not sitting here saying like, right, like I understand the impact. But what I'm trying to ground for you is if no one showed up and your kids were centered in who they were, knew that they were loved, could advocate for themselves, does anything else actually matter to you?
1: You know, I I think it does. Okay. Uh, I believe that we, so there's two things I believe. Yeah. One, I believe that we're called to make a tri-generational impact. Yes. Right? We need to make an impact here, next generation, and next generation. I can do that really through my kids. And mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and I think it will. But I also feel like Eric Thomas said this to me once. At the, I say he sent it to me. He was on stage at my event. Um, And he said this to me, but there was a thousand other people in the room too. Um, But he said, you think you're doing something because you're taking care of your family. We're called to take care of a hundred things. That's when you're doing something. Like taking care of your family, that's what you spoke. You have to do that. That's like survival level. Uh, But God has called us to reach out. And and impact, at least introduce him to others through our stories. Mm -hmm. And so, if no one shows up at the funeral and my kids are awesome, I would consider that a failure on my part. Mm -hmm. In what I'm called, I I believe that God has called me um, to go out and 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 show that the journey can look different for everyone, but we all still the same value in his acts when uh, a lot of people don't know that
0: i appreciate where you took that because i think that we have a collective family and a collective connection through the universe through god whatever definition people have for themselves sure. but i genuinely think that unconditional love for self can permeate to unconditional love for everyone and you are my brother Wyatt's my brother right like sisters mothers fathers like we are all in the same human race. Family. We all exist. We all have different limitations. We all have different ways that we move through the world. But I think that when we can expand love and impact beyond just ourselves, it does become more powerful. Um, you're doing a whole lot in your training, your focus around helping make sure that other people, whether they're in car sales, dealerships, or what have you, can have the same opportunities that you've been creating for yourself sure. to break generational patterns and create generational wealth beyond just finances in their lives by focusing on creating better people. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you're doing in, I think it's 800 Club, right? Is yeah. it, that's what it's called? Yeah, 800% Club. In, yeah. in the 800% Club. And um, really like maybe what some people could expect to understand if they were to reach out to you and venture, how are they going to be able to move through your world and what's that going to look like for them? That's a great question. We're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the
1: I love the answer. <laughs> we are still trying to figure that out. We've got the automotive side pretty much figured out, right? Like that's that's my jam. So I work with owners and general managers of car dealerships to help them scale the volume, the profitability, employee retention, the overall culture of the dealership. Step by step, right? We do the perfect meeting. We have the lead acronym. We've got all the systems processes over on the automotive side. Get it done. Got it. If you're not an automotive, we haven't figured all that out yet, right? We have a show and we have content. And I know that every single day I get messages from people that say, um, you know, that they are inspired, they're motivated, they appreciate this. I've had, you know, there's people whose lives have been saved, who've raised a million dollars, like all of these things. But like literally the title of the show has been like Rising Grind, GM3X. Uh, like it's gone through these iterations as well, because we're trying to figure out how to how we pull these things together in a way. Because what we do is the same for everyone. Um, how we get there is most likely the same for everyone, but it's easy for us to define it in the automotive space, and it's not so easy to define it outside of that. So that's kind of what we're working on right now. You know, I flew with uh, Grant Cardone. From Miami to LA uh, uh, last year after GrowthCon, and uh, I said, Grant, what do you see on the outside that uh, that I need? I need your perspective on what we've got going on. And he said, uh, he said, what I see is that you're stuck in automotive, where you have about seventeen thousand people that can do business with you, as far as owners, general managers. He goes, but everything you teach would apply to 34 million small businesses. He goes, so what I see is that you need to quit focusing on auto and spread it to to everyone. Well, I value Grant's opinion, but I also, um, I also, am not ready for that. Like, if that makes sense, it makes sense. But explain it. ready for that. I only know how to do things a certain intensity. Um, to reach 34 million people is a big undertaking. It's a big team, a big task, right? If you actually look at Grant's path, he started in automotive. Mm-hmm. Then once he dominated automotive, he took the revenue and the influence he had in automotive and went out to the small business. Then after he went to small business, he went into Cardo Capital. Which is the real estate side, and that's really what took him from being a millionaire into a into millionaire. We don't, we're not the number one name in automotive yet, uh, and so and I've got a team of twelve people, and we have resources, but we don't have endless resources. And so, in my mind, I'm saying, okay, let's continue to to expand here in this space. We'll keep doing this other media stuff, so it's there. And once we freaking really get this rocking and rolling, we have the revenue and the resources, the team, the systems are in place, those types of things, then we can translate. That's what I'm telling myself anyway. If that's the reality of the situation, I don't know, but, uh, that's, that's where we're at. So when you ask that question, if they come find you, then what's the path? Yeah, but the,
0: we're still trying well, to figure I that out. I mean, again, I, I didn't expect anything other than an honest answer from you. And so I appreciate that you were just transparent and jumped right to it. It's like, well, I should, I don't know. Um, but I really don't know what door they come in, I guess. But again, I think that that is the story that you're telling yourself. And I guess my question on that piece is, do you need to be number one to expand elsewhere? Um, you know, I don't know what does that what does that threshold look like for you? You say when I have enough resources, enough seven hundred dealers, um, fifty million in, so you have targets, in revenue yeah and why why those numbers to give you the ability to spread elsewhere?
1: Um, the speed matters to me right. uh, I think it's important that we move fast, and so to reach thirty four million people you know would require massive media campaigns it would require. a a tremendous staff plus we have to make sure we serve everybody you know correctly like i'm not just going to go throw it out there uh you know i'm not interested i know a lot of people are are you know they're like oh i need a i need to go viral on tiktok or whatever like i'm not interested in going viral if you don't have a way to to build relationships with those two million people that saw your video right um and so like we have our morning five people that's that's how, when someone comes into our network or into our area, I know morning routines changed my life and changed the lives of a lot of people. So I wrote a little ebook. You know, and we give people that. Um, and so that's kind of like a gateway in. And it's like, hey, here's me. And in the Morning Five ebook, it tells my story of homelessness and depression. And when I tried to uh, take my own life, it like breaks that story down. And then it gives them some practical takeaways five simple steps to an extraordinary life, right? No snooze, no phone, gratitude and goals. Uh, take care of yourself physically and then send out an encouraging message so we have basic pieces but i do feel like if we had a flood of people i wouldn't be able to serve them at the level at the level that i want to to be able to build a relationship with them i don't just want people i want relationship yeah you know what i mean um So again, I know some of it's stories, some of it's stuff that I've worked through, but at the same time, going into the small business space, half-ass is just not how I roll.
0: Yeah, I totally respect all of it. and I'm not being critical in any way of what it is. It's just, I want to understand, man. It's always fascinating to hear how people make the decisions and when they decide they're going to spread further into different paths and how they're going to diversify and continue to grow. So it's fascinating to even hear. It's like, yeah, you say that your favorite person on the planet is telling you you need to do something different. You're still like, yeah, no, I'm not ready, right? And what I appreciate about that is that you're not taking the opinion of someone else to make yourself feel badly about your own feelings. You're seeking perspective to evaluate against yeah. your own perspective <laughs> and decide, what do I want to do with this now with new information and very. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what is really obvious is that your ability to take in variables, analyze what they mean for you, and then apply them moving forward to create differences in where you want to head.
1: Yeah, man, throw, 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 throw some of it out. Keep some of it in. You know, uh, I learned that early. I had such an interesting journey to spiritual understanding because I started off studying Scientology for six yeah. months. So I was an atheist, non-believer of any kind of spiritual existence. Then I go into Scientology. Scientology introduces me to the idea that we are spiritual beings, contrary to a lot of people's popular belief. They introduce me to the idea of that. Then it gets weird. So I'm like, I'm out on the Scientology thing, and I go study like Buddhism and Catholicism and all these things. And ultimately, I found my path to spiritual understanding through the study of Jesus Christ um, and, and and you know in his life and what he did for me. But what I've learned is like, through all of that, is that it's all still man-made. Every piece of it yeah. is man-made. And anything that's man-made has pieces we can take away and pieces we can we can align with, right? Because it's, where are we all going? What do they say? Uh, Indians are like assholes. Everyone's, going. Everyone's got one. Everyone's going. So everything's man-made, and so it's funny, man. I said that with my pastor at my church one time. He's like one of the greatest speakers I have. And I'm like, what's your freaking? What's your secret, man? How are you such a great, amazing speaker? And he's like, bro, I freaking watch Dave Chappelle all the time. This is the pastor of my church. He goes, Dave Chappelle is a genius. You know, he starts different. at the end and then and then builds the story to the end. He goes, I do the same thing, and that hit me. I'm like, dude. We can take something from everyone. everyone. We don't necessarily have to align and agree and have the same beliefs. It's actually better if we don't. Yeah. Because then we can look at things from a different perspective. So, you know, I learned a lot from from Grant, what to do, what not to do. And uh, I have other mentors, you know, as as well. But I think that's the key. It's like, just go into it. Like, just going to take what I want to take and yeah. leave the rest. Yeah. Inside. I love it, man. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to leave anybody with today? No, man. I just love talking to you. You have amazing questions. Super
0: fun. Oh, dude, thank you very much. So thank you for being here today. And for those of you who tuned in, what you can see with Glenn is that, yeah, you can have loss, you can have destruction, you can live the fancy, glamorous life that you were chasing to seek validation, love, and connection through performance. But ultimately, it can also crumble on the other side. You can lose custody of your kids and go inward to become homeless and nearly take your life. But when you can start to recognize that you're the only one creating the resistance in your life and you can be seen by someone who feels who you are in your heart and helps you live into who you are in the way that they see you, which is your authentic self, just like Glenn's wife did, you can create a path that doesn't have limits any longer. You can create a path where you unlock and you can have a deeper understanding of yourself to realize that it doesn't have to be divisive in life. We can be inclusive and leverage the understandings of perspective and collective wisdom of everyone else while still being able to stand in our own truth and understanding the things that don't align or do align. It. It's about creating congruency in the words and actions that you take in this world. And the only way to get congruent is if you flip open your lid and scan your can.